Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, good evening, and as always, my name is Rory. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. This is our Monday Night Euro Review Show. Despite there being no club football, we are still finding things to talk about. I'm pretty sure there's enough to go. Welcome to the show, as I said, and I am joined by my good friends on my right, left, Adam and Andy. Here we go. How are we, boys? How are we doing? Yeah, keeping well. How about you, Rory? Not bad. A bit of a mad rush after work to get here. I was like running across Milan, (laughs) but I got here in time, not looking too disheveled. So not too bad a day. I feel like this weekend, it was kind of weird. I ended up watching the most random matches this weekend. I think even (laughs) for my missus, she was a bit like, come on, we have to... There are other things on TV. I think Ipswich versus Plymouth might have been the breaking point. (laughs) 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 Um, And Andy, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, um, it's been a surprisingly entertaining international break as it happens, mm-hmm. but mm. um, yeah, after that, it's been good. Um, so yeah, glad to be on. And here we go, we are ready to talk international football, and it can only really start with one thing. And Aaron Ramsdale has now suffered the fourth <laughs> relegation of his career as <laughs> England are relegated now. Aaron wasn't on the pitch, so I'm going to absolve him of any blame. I think he's the, <laughs> one of the least to blame for this to happen. But England are relegated. And my question here is, as I said last week, I'm going to start with you, Adam, and I'll go to Andy. Does it matter that we've been relegated? Is it important? It felt big, really. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one because like, you look at the format and you go, does it actually matter? And I mean, I suppose... For lesser sides like your Wales, your Scotland, they actually aspire to be in Mm -hmm. Group A or whatever it's called a format-wise. But for (laughs) teams like England, they really, I think they're probably just thinking that they'll always be in the top league. So therefore, being relegated is a weird notion for them. And I think this might reset maybe the mindsets of certain players as well as fans. But for me, it didn't really bother me that much i think i don't know about you guys um but yeah i'm, I'm talking purely from a Poland perspective I, I wouldn't care if i was relegated because that means okay. we've probably got more chance of winning games right mm-hmm. but yeah. um it also tests the england squad i think they are kind of so used to playing the top sides all the time now so maybe a bit of variety in terms of their games might help the players um maybe in terms of confidence because certainly that's what Harry Maguire needed on the Friday night, didn't he? So, um, yeah, I'll pass it over to Andy and yourself. Um, I think, I don't know, I think the Nation Leagues is important. I think England be relegated. Uh, I think a lot of people could have done without the Nations League because of like COVID and things like that. But I think if you remember yeah. before all of that kicked off, the Nations League was a really good replacement for basically pointless friendlies. It did result, it has still results, it's a really competitive games. So, mm. uh, I think from that point of view, is absolutely 
uh, worth having, um, even if it, you know, the fix there's a bit of a fixture clusterfuck. But yeah, I think with England, um, every single tournament we've qualified winning 10 out of 10 games, playing mm-hmm. against generally speaking opposition that we should be beating left, right, and center. And the Nations mm-hmm. League has allowed us to play top tier teams. We, you know, much more frequently than we used to on a competitive level. Um, so, and I think now that England have been relegated, um, they won't get that same level of competition until they go back into Group A, hopefully. Uh, so mm. I think it will have a bit of a knock-on effect because ultimately, as a footballer at international level, national, you want to test yourself against the very best. Um, and although England have been found wanting in this case, in the previous campaign, they've really showed up against you know, mm. like to Spain and places like that. I think it's just been a bad few games from England's point of view. Yeah, well, I think we're going to get to where England are as a state. I think it's kind of... It's interesting because maybe now, <laughs> if we're if we are in a lower division, we can maybe play around a little bit more with team selection, give people a few more chances. I feel like maybe with mm. the competition being so elite every game, Gareth Southgate feels like he can't give players chances because he, because he doesn't want to get battered by a big nation, right? And it feels mm. like you have to win these big games. So maybe if we get relegated, well, now we're relegated. He can turn around and say, you know what, I will play with the team a little bit more. I can take a chance because we're going up against a Kazakhstan, for example. Maybe I can try a different centre-back partnership. I can try Mm. a different striker. I feel like maybe there's just too much for, or Gareth perceives there to be too much to lose if he doesn't. I think it's kind of, it'll be interesting because Scotland could actually go above us. (laughs) Scotland could be promoted (laughs) and will be in League B, which I'm sure they will massively enjoy. Um, but we should talk about England, the actual performances. And um, it's been pretty dire. I think it's been England as a whole well, with Southgate. It feels like it's getting stale. It feels like it's run its course a little bit. This is the worst possible timing as we head into a World Cup. Up. The the lineups we've talked about before, just lack of surprise of who's being picked or mm. lack of a, a creation, imagination. I'm going to go to you, Andy, first. What did you think of? Because that lineup against Italy, why do we insist on playing three at the back? Why, like, he's played a back four before. I'm sure he has. I feel like there's just nothing going forward when we play three at the back. I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with playing three at the back, to be honest, because I think we have played that way before against big teams and got results out of it. So I don't necessarily think it was a particularly bad decision to play three at the back. Mm. And Gareth Southgate always does that against you know, teams that are on a par or maybe just above him. Yeah. He's always done that and he's not going to change. So that part of it, I don't think was necessarily a bad thing. I think what we're seeing at the moment, I looked at that starting 11, right? And how many out, out of that starting 11, how many of that starting 11 can you say are in good form for their clubs at the moment or at top form? It's not very many. If you go through the like of Nick Pope, all right, fair play. He's been very solid mm-hmm. for um, Newcastle. Can't fault him. Maguire's confident he's shot to pieces. I think that bit against Italy where he essentially cleared it out for a corner. Um, I don't actually think that was a bad decision, to be fair, because okay. if, he wasn't, if he wasn't getting a shout, because obviously you, you guys have played football as well. Mm-hmm. It didn't look like he got a shout from anybody, from the keeper or the other centre-backs. And generally speaking, as a centre-back, if you're not 100% sure, you just lump yeah, it. Yeah, you just get rid of it. So, it's that, it's ingrained in the English psychology. Yeah. You just get rid of it. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and so in that sense, I don't think it was a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a confident Maguire or you know somebody else would have maybe have got actually take a, have a look around take a touch and play it out from the back because he's yeah. capable of doing it to be fair to him it's just yeah it's just unfortunately where he's at at the moment and again like you know well, i think you're right sorry i'm just looking at the at the at the players who play like the ones who are in form i would say saka but he decided to play him at left back rather than right wing do yeah, not understand yeah. that. Um, Declan Rice, West Ham have had a pretty rocky start to the season. I don't think Reese James has been tearing it up this season. Eric Dyer has been pretty decent for Spurs, even though he's a player I do chew yeah. out quite a lot. Um, I think Sterling probably is the only one that jumps out where I'm like, they're in very good form, maybe. 
But even Foden as well, I think given how good City are, he's been pretty ordinary, mm-hmm. to be honest. And yeah, you, yeah, know yeah. Harry, you know what Harry Kane's like? He's all right. He started, considering he doesn't really do the start of the season too well, he's actually done mm-hmm. all right. Uh, but he's got somebody <laughs> yeah. who really kicks into gear to about Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, that's it. So th- we're kind of heading our way up the, up the pitch. I'm going to ask you, Adam, like there are two teams now that haven't scored a goal that isn't a penalty in the Nations League this time. It's England. And San Marino. Now, how yeah. or what do England need to do to actually start scoring goals again? Is this all on Southgate? Is it on the players? What do I would just love to see a score a goal again? It feels like so long. Yeah. Well, you had the opportunity to put Ivan Tony, a striker that is on form, and he decided against it. And again, what was there to be lost by putting a player like him? And mm-hmm. if we take away just the first eleven, his substitutions were I, I found baffling as well. Mm-hmm. Like Luke Shaw coming on when you're chasing a game, which I I kind of understand Saka didn't have a great game, but again, for the point of view of maybe you should have just changed the tactics in terms of the way of playing. I, I didn't see any kind of change in formation or the style going mm. forward as well. So when you're kind of in that position where you think, right, at least try and get a draw out of this. I, di- I didn't see any of that. And I thought no. Sterling had a really quiet game in fairness. I think Toloi had a fantastic game against yeah. him, kept him really quiet. And we're not talking about a centre-back that's really fast. He hasn't got a lot of pace to Lloyd, no, but no, no, he no, just no, kept no. Sterling controlled mm-hmm. for most of that. And like Andy said, Foden didn't have a great game. But again, it all stems to the manager, hasn't it? It's got to be around the tactics. They seem very much like they have to play a certain way and there is no mm-hmm. other way. You can't deviate from that. And it just, for me, I feel like he's a confidence coach as opposed to mm-hmm. a tactical like mm-hmm. coach that maybe like a Tuchel could get the best out of this squad. And I'm not saying he's right. necessarily the solution here, but what I'm saying is I think you can get certain managers at this stage that are a bit more like they've got a thought process of like when it gets to this position, what can I do? And you sort of Mancini, for example, like he bought on five subs at the end of yeah, the match. Yeah. By the end of the match, he had five other additional players that he bought on. And towards the end, obviously, it was time wasting and just to make mm-hmm. sure they defended the lead. But that's the difference. Like he got them into that position and he didn't change too much about it. He made sure that they were shored up. But they were, I thought, Italy for the balance of the play, they probably had more intent. They had showed yeah. a bit more like they wanted to win a match. Whereas with England, I, I can't recall any major chances. Like there was a few, maybe like wide shots here and there. But mm-hmm. apart from that, I, I'm, I'm struggling to think about that. There was a bit which like had me tearing my hair out. Like um, England had got a free kick in a really, mm. really advantageous position. A fucking Reese James. <laughs> It's the over it. I like. I was like, and you know, I thought, wait a second. Surely, there's much better free kick takers. Like, well, this is this is something that it used to be a strength of England was scoring from set pieces and getting a goal ahead and seeing it out. And all of a sudden, our set pieces are so ineffective, and we're unable to score. I feel like it says a lot that one of the most exciting players was Jack Grealish when he came on. I genuinely <laughs> feel like he came on, and I was like. Finally, someone who's trying to beat a man, someone who's trying to run with the ball, someone who's trying to get a ball into the box. I think he honestly, he, he was the most active player for England yeah, across that 90 minutes. Said. And he came on super late. I think you're right with Mancini, Adam. So he's able to affect games. Southgate has not been able to affect games. You could go back to the Euro final where Southgate mm. was not able to affect that game and Mancini outmanaged him, out-tacticed him, yeah. and the game went away from him. So I think Southgate being unable to affect games is not something we've noticed for a while. The problem is we shouldn't be surprised by the style of football. The style of football hasn't changed the whole time Southgate's been there. It's has got us to the semi-final and finals of tournaments, so maybe it works in tournaments. But is it just running out of magic at the wrong time like what do you think adam and i'll go i'll get your thoughts Andy. do you think it's just ran its course i think it has i mean i think you've clearly just stated what his legacy is going to be known as an early man and that's a shame mm. because actually he's got england further than probably a lot of managers have in the last decade right yeah, but since bobby robson right ultimately when you look at the balance of what he's achieved and probably english fans will say this is he should have done better with that yeah. amount of talent that he had at this disposal. And there was a really good comment that I heard the other day, which was the Belgium side. Look at them. They're all like in their 30s now. The likes yeah. of like Didrik Boyata, who will probably take the mick, but yeah. he's 31. Lukaku's obviously no spring chicken. There's mm. a lot of them. Like Hazard's 31. 
so you're kind of looking at that kind of generational players as they were called the golden generation and mm -hmm. you think well england's probably still got a good few years they could still win something but it's just a lack of invention just lack of changing the style sometimes and i appreciate you have to play the style that southgate does against certain sides or to frustrate mm -hmm. sides but against italy you had nothing to lose he should have gone with at least trying something different i mean even italy did they didn't have the full yeah. strength side no, there no, no. and this that is, was an experimental point this is the other point like it wasn't a strong italy side and yet they got the better of them from one chance and that's you had probably better quality from an england perspective than italy had so from that point of view i just think yeah unfortunately southgate's legacy is going to be I took you to a final, but I didn't win it. That's the yeah. I, I feel like the my confidence for the World Cup has definitely dwindled. I like I've I very prematurely I apologize, guys. Booked flights back to the UK for the final weekend just in case, and I feel like I may have jinxed it. I feel like I may have jinxed it. So Gareth, maybe it's not your fault. Maybe it is actually my fault. Um, but Andy, before we move on, your thoughts, expectations heading into the World Cup. And yeah, the I Germany think, game tonight, actually. <laughs> I think uh well, I think now that England have been relegated, I think England might as well just go hell for leather and go for it. Not that we will, but um, you know, it'll be a tough game. Uh, but I think there's still a lot of pride there. I think they'll want to bounce back after a few bad performances and put up, you know, try and show a little bit of pride. So hopefully that'll come through. Um and I think the other, I think in terms of England, the World Cup again, a bit like you. Like if you did ask me a year ago, like you know, just coming off the back of the Euros final, I think yeah, we're like even with mm. Southgate, top four, like semi-finals should be a At minimum, yeah, yeah, a, yeah, a minimum yeah. expectations. And now I'm thinking this has got um, first round knockout. All um, of a sudden, all of a sudden, Wales, Iran, and America is looking it like looks a tough like, group. Yeah, it's looking yeah. like a tough group. Exactly because yeah, because unfortunately, there's a lot of players which aren't in particularly great form at the moment, and this like even if the form of those players continues up until the World Cup selection it's realistically too late for Gareth to change it and he's certainly mm -hmm. not going yeah, to. Yeah. So the reality is, is that most of that squad that have been picked are going to be the ones picked for the World Cup, maybe one or two differences. Um, the reality is that Southgate isn't going anywhere, so he's also going to be still be there because I know there's a lot of people calling him to be sacked. Uh, probably me. <laughs> that would be an even worse decision than yeah, getting hold of him, by but, the way. Yeah. But the reality is, it's like you, you just can't do that uh just before a um a world cup mm -hmm. um, so i think the best thing england can hope for is hopefully between now and the month or so before the world cup starts a few players you know there's gonna be like nine games in nine domestic games in october before the world cup takes place and mm -hmm. hopefully you know being an optimist that'll be enough time for certain players to pick up some form and some minutes um to build themselves up for the world cup but yeah i think um we'll probably probably still get there i just hope we peak at the actual tournament but i think overall <laughs> the southgates i think if it if we have a bad tournament i don't get to like the quarters or semis i think that will uh, be southgate gone I think he might be gone anyway. I think he's ready to step down after the tournament as it is. Mm. I think they could be planning post-World Cup as we who, speak. Who goes to this place then? So let's say Gareth gets binned off. It's not really anybody. I'm going to go wild out there and I'm going to say, get Arsene Wenger in. Get him in. Get him to bring in those young players. He would have us playing fantastic <laughs> football. Arsene Wenger. There's only one man for the job. No, I... You know what? I actually think there's a batshit mental solution as well. Um, Jürgen Klinsmann. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're not quite that level yet. No, 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 no we're, not, not we're not at that level of desperation. In Germany have already tried that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, because let's be honest, at an international tournament, right, you've only got to shithouse your way through six or seven games. And who would be better to shithouse your way through a few games than Jose Mourinho? Oh, get him out and pay off his Roma Oof. contract. 
I think he loves got, Roma got, too much. We've got, we've, got, we've, <laughs> we've got enough money to do it. Honestly. I was genuinely <laughs> expecting you to just say Sean Dyche then. We're linking him to every job <laughs> at the minute. I was fully expecting it. I oh, mean, that, oh my God, Sean Dyche Brexit football to win, yeah. us, to win us the Euros. <laughs> that would be peak football. But to be fair though, I actually think you would do a decent job because uh, you'd have better players to work with. Yeah, and exactly. At least they could do the basics such as defend <laughs> yeah well and yeah pieces. And, like I, tactically I like he's he miles will. ahead of southgate let's be honest yeah. so oh yeah it's not actually that it's not actually that <laughs> outrageous a shout because other than that i think maybe eddie howe but i'm pretty sure he's being handsomely, handsomely rewarded for his um efforts and pr yeah. at newcastle <laughs> so yeah. i feel like sean dyche will definitely he will definitely be on the shortlist he will definitely be on the shortlist i'm almost certain of that but we need to move on from england we didn't even get to discuss trent alexander arnold what is it going to take for him to get a chance anyway we're going to move on and adam we're going to talk Poland, are they improving? It's been, it feels no, like it's been quite no, a good don't no? look into it. <laughs> no, don't look into it now. Um, <laughs> it's such a contrast because when we were speaking on the pod on Thursday, we were kind of, well, I saw the game and it was just terrible. We were playing the Netherlands and mm-hmm. the Netherlands are actually a side that I'm going to tip as not going all the way, but I think they're a team we, we do should keep every, an eye out purely because them. they've got, <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm good. I've jinxed it already. I've jinxed it already. Um, but I was talking to Rory offline after the match and it was like, obviously you had Louis van Gaal as the manager, Edgar mm-hmm. Davids was on the bench, oh. you had Daley Blind, obviously Dan, Danny's um, father on the bench as well. They've just and just the way they're playing football is just like yeah. incredible. Like just doing just the tactical like now they had about them. They just really did control the match and Poland really struggled. And it wasn't mm-hmm. for lack of effort. It was just the fact that they just outplayed them, just passing the ball, just constantly pass around in circles. So I think they're a really good side and Poland, I think the commentary was that we just didn't try hard enough and there was didn't seem like there was a like a tactical a bit like the Southgate scenario where it just didn't seem like there was a plan. Um okay. that said, coming into yesterday's match against Wales, um, that was incredible. It was a great match because both teams were going at it. Obviously, they didn't want to get relegated. And um, yeah, you had chances both ends, but Poland for the majority of it, I felt like they controlled it and they did basically what we've been talking about England not being able to do, which was do the rough jobs, do the bad jobs, you know, defend for their lives. And they did basically what Mourinho would do, which was Mm -hmm. basically once he scored, that's it, you're defending for your lives. Lewandowski by himself up top, just holding the ball as best as he could. Um, there's some really mature performances from the likes of Kivo, who obviously is at Spezia. He's an interesting kid. Lewandowski actually mentioned during the training camp that he was pleasantly surprised by how astute and how smart he was. Um, nice. And he's linked with a move to either Milan, Napoli or Roma, apparently, in the January transfer window. Milan have got special dispensation on a Spezia player, which is believed to be Kivo. Wow. So we'll wait and see on that one. Um, but again, Zalewski had a really impressive uh, match. He was doing his shithousery skills uh, that he's learned from Jose down the left-hand side, as was Berezinski on the right-hand side. Um, but yeah, that said, Wales did look really good. Again, mm-hmm. I think England have to be very cautious about this Welsh side because you had a number of younger Welsh players in that squad. So there's a really good one. Uh, I've forgotten his name. I think it's Colwell who plays for Cardiff. I was looking him up because he came okay. on and he's mm-hmm. only 21 years old. So he's playing championship football, clearly. And he did really well. He came mm-hmm. on, actually gave them a bit more self-belief into the last sort of five to ten minutes of the match. I think he's a player you have to keep an eye out. I, I suspect there'll be lots of scouts that probably saw his performance and thought, hmm, he could do a job in the Premier League. Um, that said, obviously, Gareth Bale effects as well. He hit the crossbar with a header with uh, two minutes ago. Um, so, yeah, it has all the hallmarks. But it has to be said, this Welsh squad does look good. I did mention, though, before I let you uh, talk, um, Hennessy yeah. almost had a P- Peter Engelman moment where Oof. the ball came to him. And because of how basically it was wet surface, it just slid on his foot and he somehow managed to scoop the ball before it crossed the line. So 
Yeah, that was fascinating. That but still that, wouldn't be the yeah. most embarrassing moment no, it wouldn't be. of Hennessy's career, I'll be honest. No, this, this is true. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. But, yeah. I, think, well, I, I think Wales are quite... I think that's a concern for Wales, though, in goal, because obviously... Um, Wayne got Hennessey. Super Danny Ward. What more did he want? <laughs> that, there you go. That's the problem. You've got Wayne Hennessy on one hand, um, and he loves raising one hand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, and then you've got um, you know, the Danny Ward as well. I mean, when you look, Wojciech Chesney is the best goalkeeper out of the two teams that you know there's a bit of an issue there in yeah. fairness for all the beef i give to him he actually had a really good match he did he he looks really good but i'm Does not that mean gonna... you're buying you're not buying no, i'm not buying he will fuck up at the world cup. he will yet. do something yeah, in he's, saudi he's arabia waiting. he's waiting he's, he's waiting, waiting for that one moment but, but but i think you brought up a really interesting point with the Wales squad because they have got a lot of very young good players like Brendan Johnson from yeah. uh, Nottingham Forest. I think someone who's massively underrated is Nico Williams. That guy's a really yeah. very technically very good footballer. I did um, love it as well. He's the United yeah. Yeah, player yeah, that's yeah. come through. had a yeah, really good on. time of it up in Scotland as well. Yeah, so. I feel like Wales have got a very exciting squad. And just to quickly go through that, that group, the Wales game is a derby, so anything can happen there, right? Yeah. You've got United, uh, United States, England. It's kind of a rivalry. Anything can happen there. And Iran have just beaten Uruguay's A team. Like Iran yeah. are no mugs. Like that is going to be a rough, rough group. But it's good to see Wales getting better. And I'm glad it feels like Poland have got or equally got a very exciting crop of young players coming through. Yeah. Suddenly, big clubs in Europe have got more Polish players like Modair at Brighton. Well, like yeah, you said, it feels yeah. like they're everywhere at the moment. Yeah, if you look at that kind of eleven, none of them played in Poland. Mm-hmm. None of them played in Poland. So that's that crazy. says a story. And a lot of the players that we're getting currently through the kind of youth ranks, they're all applying their trade in Italy and Germany, for example. So they're being picked off at an early stage from yeah. Poland, going abroad, learning through these academies, doing really well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's promising signs. Obviously, the only thing we have to say is Lewandowski, as soon as he decides to hang up his boots, then we are staffed up front. Because um, yeah. we have got that <laughs> yeah, creativity. That is a concern, right? The creativity, I mean, even for the goal. I mean, it was just, if you haven't seen it, basically, he's got two defenders on him. He manages to turn the ball in the direction of Swiderski, who's doing really well in the MLS, and Swiderski hammers it mm-hmm. into the back of the net. So Swiderski, great player. Um, but that said, I mean, we've got, we're blessed with loads of good, like, forwards. Milik is another example. Yeah. But, yeah, there's still that scenario with Poland where we don't know what's the best formation when you've got a player like Lewandowski. Lewandowski mm-hmm. is best by himself. Lewandowski apparently leaked to the press to say that he'd prefer to play with someone next to him. Um, they tried it against Holland. It didn't work out. So right. that's why it's going to be stuck with Lewandowski by himself. But that said, I mean, yeah, the squad, there's a lot of promise going forward, definitely. And I think this is, again, phases of generation that we're going to see a new generation come through that is maybe more technical. And that's mm-hmm. a good sign. The only problems I've got is I've got the likes of Kamal Glick, who's still defending for us, with Jan Bednarek, who we know from our Premier League days, he can have a ricket in himself as well. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, between yeah. He's basically the Bermuda Triangle in Poland. So you've got Szczesny in goal, Glick, <laughs> and then you've got Bednarek. So we're stuffed. The other one as well, I'm surprised that Kamal uh, Kozeki still exists. Yes, I'm swearing yeah. he's like old, still going, yeah. still going. Well, good to hear. And the last kind of focus we're going to look at for the Nations League, or one of the last, maybe, is there was a battle in Edinburgh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Hampton Park is Edinburgh, right? There was a yeah. battle in Edinburgh between Scotland and Ireland. It was a fantastic game. I don't know if you caught any of it, but I like a lot of these nations leagues oh had the park is not in edinburgh it's in glasgow oh it's in glasgow i've had an absolute uh, nightmare i knew as i said it i was like i don't feel confident there i don't feel confident there. <laughs> i apologize <laughs> listeners i, I apologize, apologize for any scottish listeners <laughs> i just assumed the national stadium would be in the capital that's just going to upset him more anyway the, 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 these nation league, these nations league games they often get accused of lacking intensity just to kind of warm up no one gives a shit 
This game had absolute venom. It was played at a million miles an hour. So last time out, Ireland won 3-0. And fair to say, the Scotland players did not take it well, and neither did the Scottish press. And I think the Scotland players really, really had a point to prove it. Um, the game, Ireland first half, were genuinely playing some fantastic football. They were like definitely playing the style of football they play, right? Low block, mm. get the ball, counter-attack. But they were doing it very well. They were playing out through Scotland's press very well. Players that really stood out to me, Jason Malumbi in midfield was unbelievable. Obafemi up front, he might not be the most prolific striker, but his build-up play and his ability to run with the ball is genuinely, like, I think he's a very, very good striker. Yeah. Um, Doherty on the wing was unbelievable. I think, like, there was a lot of players that just stood out where I was like, wow, this is this island team's looking a lot better. Unfortunately, they couldn't keep the intensity up for the second half. Scotland definitely had a point to prove, and they absolutely battered Ireland in the second half. Ireland could have and should have gone up 2-1 through Troy Parrott. Missed an absolute sitter. I still don't know why he gets picked for Ireland. I've never seen him play well. <laughs> um, he missed an absolute sitter. That would have been to make it 2-1. But instead, Scotland go up the other end, get a penalty. Stupid fucking handball. Well put away by Richie. Was it Richie? Yeah. Matt Richie. Fraser? Yeah. Fraser. Yeah. Um, who had a very good game as well, and Scotland get the win. I just, I don't know if either of you caught this, caught the highlights, but it was a genuinely very entertaining mm. game. I really, I thought, it. I thought Scotland's goal from uh, Jack Entry was a bit of a mad one, wasn't he? He went all, um, he, he went all culture, did he? He, he? he took the ball, started running past people, and followed it right yeah. through to the end. It was like a really, really good because he's up, he's in um, Syria now with. Um, He's had a couple of years in Belgium as well, so mm -hmm. he's obviously yeah. another one. And again, I like to I like to see uh, you know British lads go abroad and apply their trades mm. elsewhere. Yeah. So he's obviously yeah. done well. A few now. Think, yeah, and I think yeah. um, obviously McTominay. I think his improved form is starting to show through for Scotland as well. Again, he still got in a fight at the end. He still managed he to get in a fight at does. the end. Yeah, but, that, but you know what, though? You need, you need, you need, to, you need shit houses in your team. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. he does it well. Like, and for games like that, like, you need that, because he's always, he's, I've seen him enough times for United, he's always had that in him. Now mm. he's actually started to play some actual football. Um, you know, he's, his form has improved in recent, and again, I, I think to, to align with the England situation, when you've got a group of players that are starting to play well, um, it, it does reflect itself yeah. when you look at the national team. Because again, well, that you know, Scotland you look, team has got some great players in it. Genuinely, it's, some very good it's players. Because you look at you know Hickey and Tierney, that's a really yeah. good. That most national teams would kill for that. Um, yeah. yeah. Left hand side, yeah. yeah. You know, John, I think you know, John McGinn again, very, very good Premier League midfielder. Some Stuart Armstrong, Ryan mm -hmm. Christie probably could do a job at Premier League level, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Lyndon Dykes, yeah. no, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> he just looks like he stumbled out of the closest weather. He does, I think, yeah. I know our oh, friend of the pod, Craig, um, I know he was not a huge fan of Lyndon Dykes. It's just, <laughs> it's just one of those people that's just there, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's no he's just there uh <laughs> but this is something that as i was looking at the scotland team like when they were announcing the teams or whatever before the game i was like compared to the island team there's a lot more premier league quality in that mm -hmm. scotland team a lot more like top division quality um so scotland are currently top of the group um they of course didn't reach the world cup because they're scotland and they bottled it <laughs> but, um adam i wanted to ask you before we move on um, what do you what do you think of this um, Scotland team? And then we'll look at some other kind of highlights around the nations. Scotland team have always had this kind of sense of promise. Really, I've always mm -hmm. felt like there's always that one or two kind of quality players. I think now that you're seeing a lot of them kind of ply their trades in Serie A, the likes of Aaron Hickey, for example, and as we've said, Henry as well, Henry even. Um, good examples of like players that are trying different leagues and it's great that they're actually getting exposure because i think there's always been a kind of oh premier league will kind of grab you or it's going to be the top two in the scottish premier league right so it's always celtic or rangers right but now it just feels like that they're building something there is though a, still a sense of it's steve clark who's in charge and there's one way of playing things um mm -hmm. but that said 
he's doing the best that is available to him. And as yeah. we've said about the striking position, they've had to uh, kind of grab someone else's grandfather, grandmother to kind of naturalise these players. And yeah, it might take a few seasons before you start seeing those gems come through again up top, mm-hmm. but they've got genuine good quality. So I think in sort of the top league, if we're going to call it in the Nations League, I think they would give a good few teams a run for their money, definitely. So it'd be great to get them like, exposure to that level of football yeah. because I think that's probably the difference between Scotland where they're playing their trade against the likes of Kazakhstan etc mm-hmm. to that higher level which is where they need a bit more exposure sure they probably will lose a few more matches but it'll be good exposure for some of the younger generation that's coming through definitely. that squad at the moment as well so definitely. yeah definitely good um, but I think we did have a question. Um, I think you mentioned it earlier, Adam. There's a question about the Nations League. I, mean, I can't remember what the question was. Um, yes, yeah. So there's been a lot of questions about Stephen Kenny as well, about mm. obviously, what is it, almost three years that he's been in charge now. Um, obviously, he had that little transition period from McCarthy to Kenny. But yeah, Rory, what do, you, what do you think about this? Do you think he's kind of run his course now with Ireland? Because he's done well. But I think Irish fans have a lot of optimism. They they expect to be at World Cups and tournaments, right? Um, and that's, I think, the success that McCarthy built mm-hmm. and probably didn't have a divine right half the time to be even in those competitions. But they did really well to get that far with the squads and considering the Jack Charlton years as well, where they weren't on the lash pretty much days before yeah. the actual tournaments. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was hilarious. But... Again, obviously, Kenny is trying to build his philosophy of style with Ireland. Do you think it's come to an end, or do you think you would give him another year and then reevaluate where they've actually achieved? Because I know they haven't got a lot of money, have they? The well, FA, no, the um, um, the last bankrupts, aren't they? Yeah, the last president of the FAI made sure of that. <laughs> yeah. um, John <laughs> Delaney is it? Where the was it? It's where the money went. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If uh, if you want to find out, read the book Champagne Football. It's fantastic and equally infuriating. But it's the John Delaney years in yeah. charge of the. FAI. Um, I honestly, three years, time flies. Honestly, I still think he's kind of at the beginning of this project. It sounds a bit mad, but I feel like he's brought through so many new players. Like we've got mm. rid of the kind of aging championship Premier League players that were kind of just, we were sick of watching and just like, and, and some of them were great, like Wes Houlihan and people like that. And they they, they did well in the Irish jersey. But he, what he's done is he's brought in a new generation, a new multicultural generation as yeah. well of Irish players, which I think says a lot. He is trying to kind of naturalize players. And what is, is he's trying to, a, to implement a system that once he is ready to go, it can be continued. I think Ireland massively overachieved for years. We were also very lucky to have a, a golden generation that was Roy mm. Keane, Robbie Keane, Damian Duff, like even players like Gary Breen, Steve Staunton, where like Shea Given, these players that were just solid Premier League players. Yeah. Damian Duff went to Chelsea, like Robbie Keane was all over the place. Roy Keane, one of the best midfielders the Premier League's ever seen. Like we had a great generation of players and we overachieved. Now, as I said earlier, I look at the Ireland squad compared to the Scotland squad and I'm like, this is a championship league one level team. Like mm. this, is, we need to be realistic about what we expect. Qualifying for a tournament from Europe is really fucking difficult. It's really difficult. And if we don't do it, so be it. Like, yes, it would be great to qualify for tournaments, but we have to be realistic with what we expect. And I don't know if there's a manager out there who gets more out of this team than Stephen Kenny gets. I honestly can't see it. I think, He's going to be hopefully there for a very long time. Hopefully he gets us to a tournament. I would love to see Ireland at a tournament again. It's been fucking too long. And the last one was absolute torture. That Euros where we just got battered. It was horrible. (laughs) I would like us to actually get to a tournament and do well. But I think Stephen Kenny is definitely the man for the job. I think the, the, the football we've seen is enough. And he's developing players. Like Ogbené is such an exciting player. And we've got so many, mm. like similar to the Polish players and the Scottish players going to Serie A. There's a lot of Irish players going from yeah. the League of Ireland now to Serie A. They're going to Germany. They're going to Spain. Give him another five years. Those players are going to be coming into the team. I think it's the start of a project and I'm not panicking just yet. Just be realistic. Ireland's a population of 4 million people, for Christ's sake. What do you expect <laughs> us to be doing? Um, 
But anyway, I think I'm going to quickly ask you for one other nation's headline that has taken your eye, and then I've got a question for you guys. So, Andy, I'm okay. going to start with you. Oh, um, I think we had Angora. Um, yeah, so I'm going to give you a rundown of um, shit nations. <laughs> Results. We love it. We like the obscure nations. <laughs> we love the obscure nations. I shouldn't call them shit. So um, <laughs> we had Luxembourg beat Lithuania 1-0. And to be fair, Luxembourg have actually got some quite decent players. Who play, they've yeah. beaten Ireland recently. Yeah, they've, <laughs> like they've recently. Quite, and they've, to be fair, they've got quite a few in the professional ranks. Mm-hmm. So I think they've moved above the whole sort of San Marino levels. You had the Faroe Islands beat Turkey 2-1. Turkey, huge. I feel mm. like ever since we, me and Adam backed Turkey to be dark horses up the Euros. So that <laughs> that Euros honestly screwed them. Everyone was like, Turkey, you were yeah. there And ever since then, they've been absolutely shy. Andorra <laughs> drew with Latvia, uh, one, <laughs> one all. It's a good result. Um, Moldova, um, which is home to us, some of our favourite football teams. Um, yep. Liechtenstein, 2-0. So there's, uh, been, there's been, been some positives um, there, well, there I do also- have to say the obscure nation I backed, I did massively jinx as Kazakhstan then lost 3 0 to Azerbaijan. <laughs> and one of the players that I mentioned got sent off, so properly jinxed that one. And then- and Adam, I'm going to go to you a headline that jumped out to you from the Nations League. Uh, France not getting relegated. There you go. Um, just to summarize, yeah, they are going through turmoil. I spoke to you guys offline. There's a big scandal going on in French football at the moment. Do your research. We need to do a bit more research Mm -hmm. before we cover that subject. But yeah, certainly you've got a combination of also injuries at the moment. They did manage to get a result against Austria. They did manage to win that game at home. And they are no longer contenders to get relegated. But I think this kind of summarises the point of some of these big teams that we're expecting to be in maybe form right now leading up to the World Cup aren't doing so. Um, What about you, Rory? What was your pick? Well, this, I'm just going to lead on from your point. A lot of the teams that we expect are not in form. So I'm going to say, here we go. Um, We have Spain have won two in five. Italy have won two in six, France have won one in six, and Germany have won one in six. Now, obviously, Italy aren't going to be at the World Cup, but what we can see there is that a lot of the bigger teams in Europe that we would expect to be part of the kind of World Cup favourites are not in form. So, is this the tournament where either Brazil or Argentina can win it. I feel like this tournament has got South American winner written all over it. What do you think, Adam? Then I'll get your thoughts, Andy. I I still feel Germany will be there. That's my feeling because Hansi Flick, I think he's got the right kind of philosophy. Players there, I think, yeah, I think he'll get the best out of them. Um, That said, let's talk about South American teams. Argentina are on form, not great form, it has to mm-hmm. be said. They're not playing brilliantly. Brazil, I probably fancy them more so. And I think that's just based on the front three. I think that I think I can't remember which game they played, but they look frightening. Rodrigo on one side, Vinicius on the other, and they had Neymar. When he wants to be bothered, and I think he will be bothered for this World Cup. He could put it on. And don't forget, mm. you've got the likes of pretty much Arsenal's other 11, which is pretty much all Brazilian now, right? They've all yeah, but they don't get squad. into Brazil's squad. And it, also for <laughs> oh, like, benefit, we've also got Fred, haven't we? We've got Fred in that midfield, so alongside that. But I think that's the side. If we're talking South Americans, watch out for Brazil. I think, you know, Martinelli as well, potentially. I mean, he's just a looking at- it's just incredible. It's like the positions you don't associate Brazil having. Like their defence also. They've got Thiago Silva, Marquinhos, Danilo, Alex Tellez. Okay. Alexandro. Yeah. <laughs> they've got um, Edda Militao, Bremer, yeah. Ibanez. Like they've got a solid defence. Like Goalkeepers, Alisson, Edison, yeah. solid uh, at the back. Yeah, Allison or Edison. Then they've got midfield Bruno, Casemiro, Lucas Paqueta, Fabinho, Fred, Everton. Like, it's just ridiculous. And then even the front three, the depth they've got. You've, we've not even mentioned Rafinha, like Rodrigo. Yeah. Like, they've got just two players for every quite position. Well for yeah, Richarlison will be a big player, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it feels like Brazil are definitely, this could be their time. What do you think, Andy? Is it going to be a South American winner? 
It's essential, yeah, um, absolutely. I think Brazil have probably got the all-round squad to do it, but I swear we say this about Brazil quite a lot and we just get bombed out in the um, quarterfinals, as per usual. Um, I think they've definitely got the best charts out of the nations. Obviously, you can't discount Argentina completely. I don't think they've got mm-hmm. the quality from back to front. Um, I mean, the last game they played, they dropped a really goal. So they've obviously got a few issues there. Uh, but they've got Lionel Messi, which is good. And I think he's going to want to go out of the bank. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think uh, this will be maybe the tournament we can have um, Holland as the dark horses. Because when you were talking about a lot of the European teams not being in form, Holland are banging form. They've not lost a competitive game since the Euros. Mm-hmm. Back in June, they absolutely pounded Belgium. Uh, they've beaten a very good Denmark. Um, you know, obviously, the recent games against Wales, you probably would expect them to win those. Obviously, beating the, the last game against the Netherlands. I think this is this is Louis van Gaal's last rodeo, I think it's probably fair to yeah. say. I really um, what, love seeing Louis van Gaal on the sideline, man. He, I really love he, it. He's, there was, even that tra- there, was e- there was even that training video of um, <laughs> Tyrone Malaysia just scoring an absolute banger from trading. He's just <laughs> yeah. going off of one. He is, he, Van Gaal is such a, such a character and he's obviously, he's loved over in Holland and I think the yeah, Dutch yeah. players really buy into him as well, which mm. probably didn't really happen too much when he was in England, mm, is yeah. fair to say. But, but I think health stuff uh, as well for Van Gaal. Because he's been suffering with cancer, yeah, that's really yeah. endured him a lot more to the Dutch cynics as well. Because mm-hmm. there was a lot of cynics about his style of football, <laughs> yeah. right? I think this uh, definitely rubs lot... people up the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, Van Hol's never been particularly concerned with making friends. Let's be honest; like that's not no. one of his strong points. In fact, I don't think I don't think he even wants it to be a strong point. But no. I think he has got the buy-in of the the you know the players. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously very clear in what he wants from them and I think he told them at football again if you look at if you remember like Holland during the World Cup of 2014 they played some fantastic stuff mm-hmm. um, they when... have got a very I was looking at their squad and I was like well it's kind of come from nowhere but they have yeah. got quite a good squad and when yeah. they get Depay back as well I was like man there's some like some genuine attacking talent in that team like, I think Depay yeah. is massively and Jansen but... <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah well yeah but they've got like Cody Gakpo came on yesterday today uh, it was kind of a forced substitution looked really really good Steven Bergvine should have scored more yes, but he looked yeah. very very lively I think Holland do have an outside chance but one thing we do know is I've put my money on Argentina so they're definitely not going to win it there we go <laughs> that one is solved but I do think Argentina should be winning it I do have a feeling that Messi just one last dance he wins the World Cup then just walks into the sunshine I can just see it but we are going to leave the Nations League there, and we actually we managed to find some club football guys, and thank God for Watford FC. They have now <laughs> rejected the concept of managers and are now just deciding to let fate handle what their team does. They've sacked another manager whose name has instantly gone out of my head. Anybody? Can you help Slavin me rob Billich. something? No, Stephen Billich. Billich. He's not been sacked yet. No, yeah, not, not yet. yet. <laughs> <laughs> Give it ten minutes. Twitter. It's Rob Edwards. Rob Edwards. Yeah, formerly, formerly, yeah, formerly of Forest, Forest Green. Green Rovers. He's been given approximately oh, eleven games. Right? Um, How little we knew ye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I forgot he was there, and now he's yeah. sacked. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's basically lasted eleven games, and I think you know, uh, I guess the, the best is always what the fans think, their own fans think. Did they, you see the you know, hidden replies? Did you see the hidden some, replies? Some fucking fruity ones. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, I think, again, he's only lost two games, but you know what the posers are like. Mm. You, you know, despite what they said over the summer, which was, we're going to go in a new direction, we're going to give it time mm. and all that kind of stuff. You know, the old leopards never change their spots, so yeah, to speak. Wow. Um, you know, 11 games, they're not top of the table, so they're going to sack the manager. Uh, and the thing is, it's, just, it's not like you can say it largely doesn't work because it does. You know, Watford yeah. are the sort of team where if something's not... They're sat in 10th at the moment. Um, and given they probably have a Premier League wage bill, maybe you could understand it. They're not... They're not the owners are not the sort to... Let's see what happens. See where they are at Christmas. Mm-hmm. They just don't take the chance. Um, so I think... Um, yeah, they've probably done the right thing. To be fair, Stephen Billich, that is a very solid hire. He's been promoted before. He's taken charge of 
clubs where you know staying up it would be the achievement. Um, you know, he does have a habit of falling out, I think, with um owners and players sometimes. But mm-hmm, yeah. I think he'll he'll do a solid job there. You know, a bit like um Stavo Yukanovic, who also formerly of Watford. Yeah. Um I think <laughs> I feel like you can say that for most managers now. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think um I think that's not actually a bad hire for them. But yeah, we'll see what happens at Christmas. And if Watford are in a better position, but it shall be gone. And um, I don't know, Sean Dyche will probably get it. <laughs> probably. Just thinking, I'm going to ask you about Adam about this, but I was just thinking, it doesn't feel like Udinese sack that many managers, right? And they're, no, they're it, owned it, by the same family. It doesn't feel like they do the same prolific Watford firing. But I was just looking, in ten, since 2010... They've had 15 managers, Udinese. So that's quite a lot. It still doesn't feel as prolific as Watford. Do you think it actually works? Because I feel like they get to the Premier League, fantastic. But then they never stay up. Like it, it almost like Norwich, right? It's either yeah. them or Norwich have never ever played <laughs> each <the> other. Point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like do you think they that this system works? Do you think as a fan, how angry would it make you? I think they must be really infuriated because there was that period where they seemed to be, was it Garcia or Garcia? Mm-hmm. Um, where yeah, they yeah. seemed like they were a bit more stabilised. They hadn't sacked him after a year and everyone was like, oh, wow, you've lasted more than a year, <laughs> basically. Wow, that's incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, this it must be so frustrating because you're kind of trying to warm to a new manager, new philosophy, new style. And it's just sometimes these managers are plucked up. They're really random as well. Like, obviously, you had Cisco was the manager that brought them into the Premier League, and he was the ex-Newcastle player. Um, and his previous experience was, what, in Bosnia or something like that? So, mm-hmm. like, had no real kind of exposure to the top leagues. And again, like, Slavan's probably more of a assured kind of signing as a manager. But again, it does feel a bit random because you feel... I feel I was just looking at the table now. So they're literally, what? one point off playoff mix. But I think what they've probably got in their heads is that they should be in the top. They're nine points off Sheffield United at the moment. So from that point of view, they're probably aspiring that they should be in the top two right now. And there's plenty of the season to go. And championship, people forget, that's a really competitive league. Like lots can change between sort of December, January time till the end of season. It was proved by Nottingham Forest. Mm-hmm. They were rock bottom at that period before Steve yeah. Cooper got them back into the playoff position. So there's a lot of football still to be played. I think they've kind of gone against or seen the philosophy of playing gone. This isn't working. It's not about them. But again, what is the philosophy at Watford? No one knows. No one has an identity down there. And it's, just well, the squad must be players, right? the squad must be an absolute mess now. Just so many players that were signed for one manager or signed for ten managers ago, and they're still there. Like yeah, the squad exactly. just must be a complete and utter mess. But you're right with the championship. Until you get to Christmas or past the Christmas New Year thing, you have no idea. Sheffield United are playing incredibly well, but we have seen, as you said, teams come from bottom to promotion, and it's not a unique happening. Like it happens every single year. So yeah, yeah. Watford, the, the hidden replies on that tweet were absolutely hilarious. It was just <laughs> lots of you just fuck off full stop. You're a disgrace. <laughs> fuck off full stop. That's all it was. Just every single hidden reply. If you ever see hidden replies on any tweet listener, just click it. It's always worth it. It's yeah. always worth it, but we're going to move on and we're going to talk about the women's super league. There was some action this weekend. The first game that I watched, I really, really enjoyed, and I hope it gets replicated this weekend as <laughs> Arsenal smashed Spurs 4 0 at the Emirates. And there was some beautiful football played. The first Beth Mead goal was an absolute beauty. I'm in love with Mia Dima. What a player she is. And there was one player, and I realized that maybe it was kind of me starting to see women's football a bit more but there was Spurs players that actually annoyed me and I was like oh here we go (laughs) now I'm getting into it um I think her name was Neville so I said Neville in a Spurs shirt is already (laughs) gonna be a disaster but she had proper Eric Dyer vibe proper mouthy the whole way through real irritant but Arsenal won 4-0 some and the big headline the record attendance in the Women's Super League Mm. has 47,000 
people turned up at the Emirates to watch it. Hopefully, they get to play more games at the Emirates. At the moment, it's only like the big games. And usually they play down at Boreham Wood. Yeah. But it was great to see it kind of, the atmosphere was, it was, it seemed just very different to men's football. The atmosphere was super chill, super happy. Like, I don't know what you've made of it, Andy. I know you watch quite a lot of women's football. Like, what do you think of the difference between it? I find the atmosphere just feels a bit more yeah, like family I've, I've day seen, out, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, generally speaking, I think with women's football, there's a lot, one thing that the men's, could certainly take is a lot more inclusive yeah. and more friendly atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You know, I think to go into the wider game, it's one that is that accepted like a diverse LGBTQ community, you know, long, long before the mainstream media had been pushing yeah. for it, really. And I think that reflects in the crowds that attend. I think there's mm-hmm. plenty that would probably be a little bit anxious it's probably fair to say about attending men's football games yeah, 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 um yeah. where they you know it, they f- it feels like a safe place to take your child and i'm not being funny if i have a child and i'm taking it to a football match i'll probably take it to a women's football match mm-hmm. far before long before i take it to a men's manchester yeah. united game um and that's not a good reflection on the men's side aside from that though i think um yeah there is like good football i think england as a country we've invested really really well in women's football um, over the past few years. And that's come through to what we're seeing now on the national team. Um, you know, and it's same with the, the women's teams. A lot of them uh, are taking it seriously. You know, the likes of um, Chelsea, Arsenal have taken mm. it seriously for years. Man um, Liverpool City. finally investing in their team. Finally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. that's, that said, there's been quite a few big name players of the likes of like Lucy Bronze have left Man City in the past yeah. few years. I think there's a little bit their manager's not doing particularly well at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think they're in a bit of a state of flux, but they've got the they've certainly got the resources back there. Uh, with Manchester United, there's they're a little bit up and down when it comes to mm. the levels of shits given uh, into the squad. <laughs> uh, but certainly at the moment, they've invested you know quite a lot. Uh, and obviously, they've got the key to Paris and Arsenal, you know, another yeah. Euro winner as well. They've got you know a couple of Spain's first choice players, and there's a lot of talent there. Um, I think in the division as a whole, there's uh, some really exciting um, talent. I think, you know, yeah, there's yeah. a big result. Well, there's that something week. that, like, I always felt quite guilty about that. I was really ignorant to it. And now it is, like, I, I realise I'm have to. i going to have to make a concerted effort to keep up with it. And it's something that I want to do. I want to watch it. I honestly watched, and it comes from me, a massive point of ignorance in the past. And I'm holding my hands up to it where I'd be like, oh, it's just not as good, Right. But I watch it, I've watched it, I enjoy it. So I'm coming out and saying I am like converted, if you know what I mean. And I am like looking forward to keeping up with it. And if Arsenal keep battering Spurs 4-0, I'm all over it. I think it's always been a, a real point of pride for Arsenal fans is that Arsenal were always, we've always had a women's team. We've always been incredible at it and we've invested in it from day one. So I think it's like something, a real point of pride for the club. Um, but Everton fans will also be absolutely loving it as they finally <laughs> get a win at um, at Anfield as they win 3-0 at Anfield. It's um, 2-0, wasn't it? I thought it was 2-0. Let me find it. No, 3-0, 3-0. in 3-0. the end. Okay. Um, goals from Finnegan, Park and Benison. I think Park, it was on her, it was her first goal for the club and she scored it at the cop end. Pretty beautiful scenes. Really good game again. Um and yeah, I think Everton fans will just be glad to see three points at Goodison Park at um, Anfield. <laughs> it doesn't happen often, right? It doesn't happen often. And quickly to finish, because it's still football, there is, of course, a scandal. And there is oh. a scandal taking place within the Spanish FA. Now, Andy, do you want to take us through this? It is a bizarre and really mm. uncomfortable story, right? It is an absolute clusterfuck. Um, so, in short, 15 of Spain's top, top players, including the, cu- the current um, Ballon d'Or um, holder, Alexia Putellas, uh, plays mm-hmm. Barcelona, uh, they've essentially written to the, um, the Spanish Federation, um, essentially saying, you know, the long and short is that we're not, you know, we're not willing to play uh, for the national team whilst the uh, Hulk Wilder is currently the coach. Um, now, uh, there's a lot in the background to this one. So, um, in the past two years, Spain, you know, have started like many countries within women's football. They've um, start, you know, they've started to invest more and more, and professionalism started to come into the game. The big Spanish clubs invested in their domestic league, um, and therefore the standards 
mm-hmm. uh, going up. And a lot of the beef against um, Hog Vilda on the professional level is that he's been coached for seven years. In that time, Spanish football and the players have, you know, they've gone up a gear. And there's a lot, re- essentially, a lot of it boils down to the fact that he's not, they've, they don't feel he's qualified to do mm. the job he's paid to do. Um, if, it and, is also quickly worth mentioning he's related to the president of the Spanish FA. Exactly, done, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's also part <laughs> of it. Uh, so that's so that's the I think that's the bone of contention certainly on the professional side. Now, when you go onto the other side of it as well, like the um, the player management side of things, there's been lots of like you know not necessarily confirmed, but there's been some a lot of uh, reports. It's about go, you know, really strict, you know, strict like church student routine or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. they've been, they've had their shopping search. They've had to let them know of every minute of every day where they're at, what they're doing, who with. You know, they've been, um, there was rooms that they had to keep their door open at night so the coaches check they're in bed. It's just really fucking creepy stuff that is creepy when you're above eight years old at a boarding school mm-hmm. uh you know mm. it's um very you know these are professionals at the end of the day uh these are professional footballers who are adults who, and who are going through having to go through that experience because they love playing for the national team and a lot of it's, it uh, yeah it feels like there's going to be a Someone has to break at some point, right? The players have all the power, obviously. Yeah. Like, right, we're not playing. Let's see how you do without us, right? The Spanish FA are going to have to act on this. Well that's, shows- well, that's the thing. They've, um, rather than go, hmm, we've made a bit of an error here, they've effectively doubled down. <laughs> <laughs> like, out of all the possible responses, yeah. uh, the one that they shouldn't have gone with uh, is the one which they have. Mm-hmm. So essentially they've gone, well, you know, by refusing to play for your national team, which is a mandatory call-up, you could um, receive a suspension of three to five years, but we're nice, we're not going to do that. Um, you know, that that was literally, that was part of their official statement that has, has, has come out with regards to that one. Uh, they've taken aim at their professionalism. Um, you know, it was... I think in short, they've gone, we're happy with the coach. We can sort these issues out. And they, you know, the general feeling is that the, uh, they're trying to put the blame onto the players, essentially. And the um, thing is, because that is an incredibly gifted Spanish generation they've got there. Mm. Most, like a lot of the players from that incredible Barcelona team, like they are unbelievable to watch, especially Pateas is the one who gets all the headlines, right? Like Spain are wasting a, very good generation here that could be winning trophies like and it does seem they're gonna have to they're gonna have to step back on this they're gonna have to at some point but i feel like men managing and talking down to women is gonna be difficult i can see the old yeah. white men sat in a boardroom trying to like think all oh, these bloody women and i think problems. And i think like, that's where i think that's where women's football has had to go through a lot of that of the men mm-hmm. so mm. you know obviously you might look at spain and gone oh that's that's unique but if you remember in the england women's team after mark sampson and yeah. the yes. uh, various yeah. things that came out after that yeah. as a hegerberg withdrew, withdrew from the norway team mm-hmm. for a few years up until very recently because um, again, they're unhappy about the standards and the way they, you know, the way they were conducting themselves. And I think, I think what's happened is that at club level, these players have seen a massive movement into proper professionalism mm-hmm. um, and a certain standard that goes with being linked with the top clubs like mm-hmm. Barcelona, yeah. as yeah. an example. They they go to international duty where perhaps the focus isn't the same. Um, mm. And they're seeing massive, massive difference in terms of the standards. So I think yeah. that's and that's part of the struggle of professionalism. You know, at its very beginning, is that unfortunately, whilst the general direction goes up that way, there is going to be people mm. that are left behind. And I think the Spanish yeah. FA are going through what England went through with Mark Sampson and Phil Neville. Mm. Is that yeah, they, yeah, yeah. you're eventually 
yeah, you forget you forget the film level thing happened. Uh, but oh, God, it, it feels like a bad dream, that like, guy. He's but, still a manager as well. It blows still, my mind. He's somehow still not been sacked from Miami, <laughs> and they've been absolutely shy. He's got something uh, on Beckham. That's what it is. Hundred percent. He's got his yeah. nudes or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll talk about another day because he's also a naughty boy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, go back to the subject to hand. I think um, England have got through that period. They've mm-hmm. realised that we needed to up their game in terms of the personnel and resources given to the ladies team they've done that they've got the best managers in they've got the best facilities and look at the results and like i said unfortunately Mm. with countries like spain they're going through that process at the moment where they need Mm. to shed the people that are holding them back in order so they can truly thrive and you know from a hr point of view you know these are these players are humans at the end of the day, and regardless of their football ability, they've got to be treated it. Well, as yeah, such. exactly. You're not, and, <laughs> you're not like inmates, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Like, and you know, as an absolute yeah. bare minimum, you should be, you know, even if you're, even if a coach is, even if you're as a coach, you're absolutely shite. As a bare minimum, you still got to treat people with mm. respect, and I think that's clearly at the backbone of what's happening yeah. um, in space. So hopefully, you know, the Spanish FA will eventually see through what's going on and then go from there i think i think they have to but i of course we just have to say to spanish players like good work keep it up and you as long <laughs> as you don't blink as long as you don't blink you'll win exactly you'll be fine. um so i think that's it listeners we're done for this week um we have the return of league football um, uh, this weekend. It's the North London derby. I'm already getting nervous. We have some international football kicking off. Shall I see what the scores are at the moment? I think I can quickly go through. England, Germany has kicked off, right? Should have. Yeah. It should have kicked off. I need to refresh my page. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, it's 45 so. minutes. Nil, nil. Of course it is. <laughs> nil, nil. Absolute thriller. But Estonia are beating San Marino. Italy are beating the giants that are Hungary. Italy on the on the on the stampede all of a sudden. And there's no goals. Raspadori. Raspadori again. A guy tearing it up. Absolutely tearing it up. So, listeners, please join us again on Friday when we will be previewing the Premier League and Serie A, as always. Maybe wrap up a bit of this Nations League nonsense. And look forward to the last bit of the Premier League Serie A before the World Cup kicks off. So I'm going to let you say, guys, anything to say before we go? Nah, it's been a pleasure as always. Looking forward to Thursday though. We will see you later, guys. Take care. Podcast Network.